Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. In its simplest explanation, a website conversion happens when a user completes a desired action on your website, like making a purchase or filling out a contact form. A good conversion rate is apparently between 2 and 5%, and the thing with conversion rate is that even a jump of 0.5% can be a big deal. And I assume that's all about the volume, but I'm pretty keen to find out. So today I'm in conversation with Karen, with a Y, Parkinson. She's an e-commerce marketing specialist with a knack for high converting Facebook ad funnels and website optimization. Through her e-commerce marketing agency and on the pulse training programs, Karen helps hundreds of e-commerce store owners across the globe boost their profits, generate more revenue and achieve that magic return on investment that they all dream of, including myself. She's been featured in by Zero Business Chicks, Afterpay and many more outlets as well. Everyone wants to find a way to do their e-commerce and website work faster, smarter, and more profitably. So I'm keen to get cracking into this conversation. So welcome to the politics of everything, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since day one of the politics of everything, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one solution to make the process quick and painless, the way it should be for those of us who just love great content and want to get our ideas out into the world. If you know me, I'm obsessed with quality in terms of my guests, my sound, and everything about my show has to be great the first time. I'm time poor. It's so easy to use Zencaster. I'm not tech savvy and you don't need to be either. There's nothing to download. Just click on the link and off we go. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automate post-productions now in their toolkit, you don't have to leave your browser to get that episode done and done fast. I have a special offer for you and I hopefully you can experience what I have with Zencaster. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my VIP code, the politics of everything, all lowercase in one word, to get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. How good is that? I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Okay, young Karen, what did you want to be as a kid and kind of what was your early let's join the dots career story? Oh, so I wanted to be a PE teacher, nothing to do with marketing. I wanted to do that all the way through primary school, high school, got to college, found out that you have to like cut into the cadavers and stuff and I was like, hmm, I pass out at the sight of blood. (laughs) This is not going to work for me. not for me either. So it was like, oh, well, that career's gone. Okay. Um, And I ended up only doing one year of college and did a community recreation traineeship. So I worked at a primary school for a few years running their sports program. So it was still right in my element and nothing to do with (laughs) what I'm doing now. It wasn't until I ended up doing jobs in sales and all sorts of unrelated things. And then I started my own business when I was 24. It was a discount card for Tasmania. And 
I had a Facebook page, which was only fairly new back then. And for all the businesses that came onto my card to give discounts, they started saying, oh, you've got that Facebook thing. Can, can you set that up for me? It's like, oh, I suppose so. I can do that. So how long ago is this? Like what year are we talking? 2011. Okay. Yeah. So yep. what are we, 12 years now? A lifetime ago in lifetime, terms of yeah. like website land. Yeah. But it's like my daughter's, my stepdaughter's 18 and she's, you know, gone through college and be like, I don't know what I do, want to do. Like I've got to take a decision. I'm like, Facebook wasn't even invented when I was at school. Oh, so you don't goodness. always know. know what your career is going to be because you don't know what technology might be invented or like don't put so much pressure on yourself to figure it all out straight away. Absolutely. Oh, no, I love, I love hearing how where people have started and how I guess, you know, you end up where you are. So just define for us, I've given a really kind of layman's version of, you know, what a website conversion is, but how do you describe that journey? Because I think it's changed over time and what we understand is just that, you know, you have, you know, one engagement with a website, might be buying something or whatever, is probably too simple. It's probably a little bit more than that. So how do you kind of unpack that website conversion process for people? You summed it up pretty well. Like in e-commerce, a website conversion mainly is around purchase and it's the percentage of people that go to that website that actually take that action. It can be other things. It can be, you know, going to your website and giving you their email, which is really important. But for most people, we're after that magic buy. Yeah, we are. We are. But I think sometimes people don't realise that you know, they might have heard of you somewhere else and all that kind of, I guess, the other socials that happen before we oh, get yeah. to that as well. There's so much that happens so before much that happens. gets to your website. Yeah, it's just we've got to do all the things these days. And I know that as someone who's an online service provider that, you know, it's one stream to my business. But I suppose for, for sometimes I feel like it's a bit sort of mystical and difficult and opaque because <laughs> – I'm not a very technical person and, you know, I probably don't ask people where they found out about me. Sometimes it's really obvious because I might do a short-term promotion and I go, oh, you saw me on LinkedIn or you you signed up to my newsletter and you got that offer. But I often just don't understand what makes, you know, that conversion decision work for some people and is it about having a great website that speaks volumes to people? Like is there other things other than the products and services that you offer that can really help you in that process? Yeah, it's, it's really great. In e-commerce, I'd suggest Google Analytics. So GA4 mm. is what it's going by now. Yeah. You can really get a good feel for what the journey was that people took. So there's a report in there called the customer journey and it will show you. And if you look, you might think they went from Googling you to buying from you and that's so not the case. Generally, you know, and I'm, typically, you know, some businesses are outside of this, but generally they will see you on Facebook or Instagram and then they might Google you and then they might get an email and then they might purchase the fourth or fifth time that they come. So that actually shows you so that you can go, okay, well, maybe I should put more emphasis to this place because this is where a lot of people are coming from. Email's a big one. So, and, um, you know, I do a lot of paid ads as well. So quite often we're using like a customer journey and we're retargeting people. So they might see an ad introducing the brand, they might go check it out and then get distracted by the kids. And then we're showing them another brand later on that day when they're sitting on the couch and the kids are in bed and they can have time to go back and look at it again. So it really is, they say that people need to see something up to 16 times before they'll actually, you know, take action on it. So seeing those ads and seeing those follow-up emails and, you know, ads across Google and lots of different platforms is really important. So obviously Facebook is kind of your specialty. Is that something that's really changed in the past sort of decade or so? Like we talked about, you know, 
20 years ago, obviously, it was barely around and now it's probably like one of the most used platforms, although I think that shifts over time and, you know, people get different sort of new shiny objects that they love to look in line yeah. with. But is there some examples of how it's changed? Because I, my experience personally, and I've only done a little bit on, on Facebook, it's probably not my place to kind of sell what I do, is that you've got to spend a lot of money to get a lot of results. So when we say Facebook ads, I mean Facebook and Instagram because yep. they're both actually meta yep, and meta. it's the same Good platform. Meta. Yep. <laughs> yes. So it's changed a lot over time. I remember when we used to put out a post and, you know, nearly everyone who liked your page would see it. That was amazing, the good old days. And then when it got into advertising, the returns were ridiculous. I used to spend money on my clients' campaigns and they'd get $30 for every dollar I put in. And that was like printing money. And we didn't know that it was the good days back then. So, you know, we were still like, oh, we won't spend too much. You know, we don't want it to go down to 25. Um, that's so what I'm thinking. Now. Like that's just, that's what I mean. That was like the early phase, which I wasn't involved in that, oh. but I did hear that from people. It was so nice. <laughs> the so good days. Now, You're reminiscing now. I can feel this, yeah. Karen. <laughs> According to uh, Facebook or Meta, a good conversion rate or a return on ad spend, I should say, for an e-commerce brand is three. Okay. So three acts. So what, so what we does really that have mean to have for people? Like how much do people margin. have to spend, you reckon? Like is there any average? Is there any way to, for us to kind of? Oh, you can start small and scale up, but you really need to be spending sort of upwards of a 1000 a month to really get those results because you've got to have ads, you know, driving those new people plus you've got to have ads retargeting those people, showing them again and again. So you know, most clients I might start at two or 3,000 and then quickly scale up from there once we've yeah, – there's a lot of testing with ads. We've got to test audiences, test creative, test copy, you know, what are we going to say? And saying it one way might not convert as well as saying, you know, the exact same thing a different way. So there's so much testing. Once that's testing's done and we've found good audiences and things like that, we can just start to scale that budget up until we sort of hit that plateau with our results starting to go down. Mm. So, you know, I know some brands that spend millions of dollars a year in, in Facebook ads and others, you know, that might spend two or 3000 a month and both can see results, but the more you spend, the lower that return on ad spend eventually gets. Right. But so what so sort of time frame do you three. recommend for a lot of people? Because I think it'd be easy to go not having much success. And you just mentioned then, um, interestingly, about, you know, tweaking the way you say something. Like how often do you yeah. tweak stuff? generally for people if it's if it's not necessarily landing the results if I'm looking after an ad account like I'm constantly in there tweaking and changing and testing new creative because you don't want people seeing the same ad over and over again as well but if you're starting out on your own you're doing a lot of testing I'd give yourself three months before you really see and it can be a lot earlier than this this is just to set the expectation that you're not going to get those results straight away three months gives you time to test all your audiences your creatives and things like that but unfortunately, Facebook's never just a set and forget. You know, yeah. you've got. I think that's the thing, right? I think we tweak yeah. ads and change them. And, and when you say continuously, are we talking like every week? Are we talking like what's the nuance oh, of this? How much you're spending? Yeah, right. You know, if you're spending hundred k a month, then yeah, you'd probably want to test new, have new audience ads running. Sorry, every week. Yep. If you're spending a few thousand, you know, I'd change them up every month or two. Okay. It really depends, yeah. Interesting. It's such a range, isn't it? I mean, I, I have one business mentor who I know does well with Facebook, but she does say she spends 300000 and then she makes a million mm. a year. Yeah, that's the thing. People go, oh, I'm a million-dollar business. Like, yeah, how much did you spend to and get that? And that's what I mean, but you have to have you know? 300000 to actually 
do yeah, that. Does exactly. that make sense? Like it's just exactly. that thing of how yeah. you get to that point. And I'm always worried, you know, worried about that sweet spot and, you know, how one of the how it keeps evolving. One of the biggest important things about website conversion rate is that there's no point spending your money on Facebook ads or any kind of paid advertising until you've got that conversion rate right. Because if your conversion rate's not converting, the people coming to your website and they're not buying, running more traffic is not going to fix it. Mm. That's not your Because I've had people say that, oh, you know, you just keep keep running it. It'll take time. Like what you said about the 16 times, I realized there was quite that many. But, yeah. but it sounds like sometimes it's not necessarily, you've got to be much more involved in the process than that. It's not set and forget. My students, I don't let them run their ads until their website conversion rates at 2%. Okay. Anything lower and you're just wasting your money, giving Zucks another, you know, big fat donation. <laughs> Which he doesn't really um, need. He really doesn't need any more. So that's kind of my hard and fast rule, 2%, unless you're like you've got things like your average order value as well. So mm. to be profitable on Facebook ads for a business that's got a $50 average order value is going to be a lot harder than one that's got like a $300 average order value because that's the amount on average that people spend each time they make a purchase. So if you've got to spend the same amount on ads getting that sale, you know, you're going to be much more profitable with the higher average order value. So we do a lot of things to try and get people spending more, adding bundles and add-ons and post-purchase offers and all those things so that you're actually making that little bit more revenue and therefore profit off each sale as well. Mm, that's interesting. I'm just picturing myself there, you know, getting targeted and sometimes, yes, I have added something else extra to the cart, which I don't even know yeah. if I wanted. <laughs> Impulse, but it's often got a clock on it as well. Like it's that psychology. All oh, the timers get you, don't they? Because <laughs> I'm like, well, I may you know want that later and I want to get it cheap as possible. So, okay, I'll just do it now. I know all this stuff, but it still works on me. Oh, I still go. take up the post-purchase <laughs> timed offer, so don't feel bad. So it's not just me that gets sucked into that kind of, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know, binge shopping or whatever you want to call it, just like we binge watch on Netflix. It's that impulse buys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think we're all time poor too, so I think if it saves me Time, I think it's ta- saving me money as well, if that makes sense when I do that. Definitely. So you talked about re- t- measuring return on investment we, and sales, I guess, is how a lot of people will kind of go, well, how much have I made? And obviously profit's important. You know, sales is for vanity, profit is for sanity, that you don't exactly. want to just sort of like be throwing lots of money at these sorts of conversions and not really knowing all the other stuff because you might be paying you, they might be paying other people in their business to actually manage this, to actually service it. What other measures yeah. do you have when you kind of say you do reporting for your clients and, and they want to know if they've been successful, even if it's their first time or their hundredth time doing this process? Yeah. Uh, one, so you, you've got your conversion rate, your website conversion rate, because if you're running a lot of traffic and that drops dramatically, it might be that, you know, you're sending the wrong audience. So we've got the conversion rate, that average order value that I spoke of before, but I also look at how many people are converting to their emails. So even though they might come to the website and not buy straight away, if they're giving us their email, we've got that opportunity to then, you know, send them an email, follow up, put them on our list. And that way they might not buy today, but they might buy in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think we always want to measure this stuff because, um, you know, you can spend a lot of money as we've mentioned as well. Do, is there some hard and fast rules for ensuring that in this day and age that your website is fit for purpose? You know, I remember, I've had probably, I've been in business 14 years. I think I've had about seven or eight websites in that time and they've all changed because of what I need to do with SEO as well as, you know, online purchasing is probably something that's probably been layer on the cake up until probably the pandemic and now I run an online course and do online training and things like that. So it's definitely shifted. But are there some things which you say to people, look, 
yes, it's great. I can do all these ads, but you're going to need all these other bits as well. So it all sings together harmoniously from a website conversion point of view. Yeah. Ah, oh, I've actually got eight gold rules oh, for gorgeous. you. Gorgeous. I love this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think a lot of us just, we, we kind of do it with another thing you can spend a lot of money on and you're just not sure. It might look good, but if it's not doing what it needs to do, there's not much point. Yeah. There's no point having a pretty website that no one buys from. So uh, my number one is you've got to make it fast. So in this day and age, like you mentioned before, people are time poor and they so are and they're lazy and they just get distracted so easily. So it's got to load in under five seconds. Anything over that and people will just bounce off and go somewhere else. So people can um, Google Google uh, speed test and they can type in their URL and Google will tell them how long it's taking to come so back. So you've got five seconds. If you're going <laughs> five seconds. If you're going to your own website, it's going to be loading quicker than it is for other people because the first time is always the slowest time. Yes, of course. That's right. Yeah. Most people build their website on desktop, but about 80% of the people coming to their website will be on mobile. So it's got to have that really great mobile-friendly layout and it's got to pass Google's mobile-friendly test. That's another one you can Google. And if it's not passing that, Google won't even show it in search results. So it has to work really well on a phone. So no pinching to try and make something look bigger, no having to, you know, try and find an X that's not actually in the screen or anything when a pop-up comes up, all of that stuff. And then it's got to just size really well for mobile. So I recommend actually building for mobile first and then making the desktop look okay which is the opposite to what most people do these days. As a flipper probably, you know, 10, 15 years ago too where people were consuming yeah, media differently. Yeah, the amount of people consuming on mobile has totally changed over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that list. Thank you for the sharing that. That's kind of like the secret sauce, I guess, for most of us um, in this in this particular line of work. So changing tack a little bit, what's the best advice that's ever been given to you? And it could be business, it could be life, whatever you, whatever it is, and why that piece of advice has been so valuable to you. So um, for me, it was put your blinkers on and stay in your own lane. So basically, uh, stop looking at what everyone else is doing and stick to your own plan because that really allowed me to get over that whole comparison trap of always comparing myself and getting distracted But oh, if they're doing this, maybe I should do that. Oh, they're running a challenge. I should run a challenge. Oh, they're doing a sale. I should run a sale. So once I got over that and like I don't even – for me, I'm all about collaboration over competition. I don't see a lot of people as competition at all. But if there is someone that I find myself doing that with, I'll just, not in a bad way, but I'll just block them so that I'm not distracted by what they're up to. So I'm not looking at them and going, And when you oh, say block them, you mean too. you'll just not follow them online or you're just, because yeah, you can obviously that, yeah, you know, like, with, I guess, websites and even LinkedIn and stuff, you know, if you're following someone, you're going to get their news every day, all day. Yeah, and you don't need that constantly distracting you. So if you're like I know brands that follow all their competitors selling the same kind of products and they're always like, oh, they're doing this, I should do this. Oh, they're doing this collaborations. I need to collaborate with someone or I need to do this. It's like, no, no, just stick to your plan. (laughs) You've got your own strategy and just kind of, you know, do your own thing and not worry about what they're doing. Yeah. No, I think that's good advice. And I think most of us know we shouldn't be doing that, but it's easy to get caught up in that. Because, and it's distracting, right? You don't actually meet your goals. I think that's the point of that really, isn't it? That but Exactly. Yeah, you kind of stay in your lane, everybody. If we um, spoke in a year's time, Karen, what's one big kind of goal could be in life or work that you want to achieve and, and why are you working towards that goal? Is there something that's really kind of driving that decision? So in the next 12 months, I'd really love to support another 100 women inside my e club. 
and what I work with in them, it's about e-commerce, but it's really about helping them to get financial freedom for themselves, for their families. And the reason that's so important to me is because when women have financial freedom, they really can have a bigger impact on the world. And I think that's so important. I've been on both sides of it. Like what I talked about when I did my first startup, I lost so much money, (laughs) so much money thanks to mum's divorce settlement. She gave me my business loan and I just wasted so much. And there's so many simple things that I can teach people to stop them from making all those mistakes that I did in the early days. So that's my goal for this year. Um, I've already had, you know, over 230 people through my training and so many of them have gone on to quit their jobs and work full-time in the e-commerce business. So that's just my goal at the moment is to help another 100 women through that. That sounds a great goal. And to wrap up our conversation today, your final takeaway message for anyone listening for the politics of website conversions. Really, that conversion rate is just so important, making sure that if you're looking at your numbers, which you need to be doing, do the work to get that minimum of 2% before you spend any money on paid traffic. So if you're sending money to Facebook ads and you're not getting any sales, as much as I love Facebook ads, pause them. Go back, do the work on your um, website, some of those things that I talked about, and then you can turn them back on when you've got that conversion rate back up. Thank you so much for your time. We've got lots of homework I'm sure that all of us could be doing to make sure our website conversions sing a little bit louder and provide success for us. But I do appreciate your time. Until next time, everyone, take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.